Hello and welcome back to our Clarity Podcast. Clarity is a one-year experience here at Fellowship where we're seeking to see Jesus more clearly. Uh, I'm Nick. I'm Garland. And we are now entering into the Lent season. And so we want to spend a little time just framing what Lent is. Uh, you know, I know growing up for me, I, I had friends who did Ash Wednesday. Um, and I kind of had some idea that Lent was this long period where you quit doing something you enjoyed right? Um, leading up to Easter. But I don't know much about it beyond that. So Garland, tell us a little bit about what Lent is and where it comes from. Well, it seems like now Lent has become an excuse to diet and lose weight for a few <laughs> yes. weeks. And if that's its entire motivation is what it yes. seems like for people that, that I see. A spiritual uh, way to die. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, so first, what we want to do is, uh, in the spirit of clarity, is kind of get some of the history behind this calendar. Because as a church, we are entering into something that's a little bit unfamiliar to us. And so we want to first kind of understand where Lent came from. It, it just means spring, by the way. It's what springtime is what Lent means. So it doesn't have huh. a really cool uh, meaning like epiphany. I always thought it had to mean something really dark. Yeah, it's got to mean something dark and heavy, but uh, it just means springtime. And uh, the, the origins of Lent and where it comes from are really, really cool to me, but I'm kind of a history nerd. And so are they are. The, uh, let's see if the rest of the people think this is cool. Uh, what we see in the very, very early church, and we get a lot of this stuff from a document called the Didache. Uh, it's mm. a early, uh, early 100, so second century AD document, helping uh, the early church kind of know what they're doing when they get together. So just frame it in history. I'm trying to think about early 100s. So how far after like the apostles and the life of Christ are we talking here? So we're talking within 100 years or so of the, the death and resurrection of Jesus and uh, probably within about 30 or 40 years of the last New Testament book being Got written. it. So, so this is really early. really early. And so disciples of the disciples are alive at this point. And as the church is forming kind of what is their practice what does it look like and they're starting to get a little bit more uh routine because the early church was just figuring this whole thing out after jesus resurrection now the church is settling into some routines and what became really important was easter easter was the important most important date in the calendar and rightfully so easter is when new creation breaks through and the power of god comes into this world to declare that he is victorious over sin and death Right. So Easter should have a, a supreme preeminent place in the calendar, and it has in church history all the way back since Jesus' resurrection. What became important in the early church was the baptism on Easter, but it's what came before it. And we've discussed this before uh, in, our, in our general layout. Uh, what, what took place was early on in the church, you had people who were professing faith in Jesus but might backslide. Or you had people who professed faith in Jesus, but that's because they wanted some of the the blessings that came with being a part of the church. The church did a really good job taking care of the poor and the marginalized in society. You also had a situation in the early church where people might try to infiltrate the church right. to expose it, to get it in the trouble, to try to to try to shame it before Rome. And so it became very early on. We can even see some of this in our in our New Testament, but within a uh, hundred years of that, it became very very important for the church to come up with a, a system to almost vet someone. 
This person says they want to follow Jesus, but we want to make sure they're serious. And it became important to train them theologically, to train them. What does that mean to follow Jesus? This became, by the way, the roots of what we call catechesis or confirmation in some other church uh, uh, denominations. And so that's a process whereby you will train people in what it means to know and follow Jesus. Well, that process was a three-year process. And so a person says, I want to follow Jesus, I believe. And the church would go, all right, well, let's let's give it three years. It's very horses. different from where what we look at now. The first year when you entered into this process, you were not allowed to come into the gathered church assembly. This is all in the DDoC and some other early church fathers. Yeah. You were not allowed into the, the general assembly. You had to stay outside. Uh, and this was to... to keep the privacy and the prayer requests of what was going on private. The second year, you were allowed to come in but not speak. In the third year, you were allowed to come in. You were then allowed to ask questions, but in none of this process were you allowed to take communion. Communion was the sign that you were with this Christ-following movement. That's That was the sign that you've crossed over and you were with us. But what would happen is, after the end of this three-year period, they would then to perform the baptism of that person, you would take communion together as now an included member of the body of Christ, and it became necessary to have a final period of of theological instruction, of testing, just to kind of verify. And there was a 40-day period that developed in the very early church to test, to to look at this person's life, to examine them, and then also to to finalize any questions they had theologically. And that 40-day period are the roots of what became known as Lent. Okay. It's a 40-day period for somebody to to be taught and to be tested and examined, and uh, that's where Lent comes from. And then at the end of that 40-day period, it culminates on Easter Sunday with that person's baptism. And so that's the history, which... 95% of the people listening to this may not care about. I think sure. that is so unbelievably interesting. And so if you think about what that period of testing is for, it's to it's to take away the impurities in your life, it's to, to throw all of those things before the Lord and say, I'm wholly devoted to you. That's the meaning of Lent. That's the purpose of Lent. So frame it for me, because as I hear that, my kind of grace alone through faith alone, you know, Protestant, ism in me right here's whoa 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 before i can be baptized 40 days to prove i'm pure enough right that that's how that that immediately after three years after of three process years, right that immediately comes across to me as very uh legalistic and proving my holiness before god before the church will accept me right so can you give us another frame than that for how to understand where this might fit yeah i mean well first we we discussed some of this on the baptism episode about just what what is taking place in baptism, what are the views on baptism. One of the things we said in there is it's a little bit more murky as to what exactly these really early followers of Jesus, what they what they were meaning by baptism. And so we have to acknowledge that. Uh, now, we, we approach this question from a completely different culture and a completely different worldview with completely different a completely different government that is uh, surrounding us, at least here in our church in America. And so we have to acknowledge the fact that this these people in the second century AD trying to follow Jesus lived in a much different culture that was much more hostile to uh, them following Jesus. And in fact, some of the, some really intense persecution uh, began to spring out here in that second century. And so they had to develop a way to keep the church pure. They had to develop a way to, to, 
to make sure that people coming in weren't just coming in to take or coming in to infiltrate and to, to hurt. And we just have to acknowledge that that's what's going on in some of the second century writing. They're not saying that you're, a person is saved now by this three-year process. They're not saying that now our faith is in the basis of this work, but it's a necessary thing that the church, ha- we, we have it in our church. We Before we baptize somebody, we always go and meet with them and talk about the gospel and verify it. It's it's, and we should. Yeah, that's helpful. So translate it now, next step. So we have Lent as part of the process to join the church, but over time it becomes something for people who already mm-hmm. baptize believers in the church. How, how does, what does it mean then when it becomes somebody who's already part of the church participating in this? So the, the cool symbolism of the, of the seasons, we've been using the, ca- uh, the candles in all of our services. And if you think about it, you light the hope, peace, joy, and love candles culminating in the in the center Christ candle at Advent. Then in during Epiphany season, the candles are all lit because light is here. That's what Epiphany mm-hmm. means, shining. In the Lent season, it began a process of darkening the four different candles, and it would culminate with the darkening of the Christ candle on the Good Friday service. And the centerpiece of the Lent time was the, the temptation of Jesus mm-hmm. and then the suffering of Jesus in his earthly ministry. So Epiphany is the light coming into the world, and here he comes in power and in victory. And then the Lent season is the suffering of that light as he's on his way to a cross. Mm-hmm. And so the Luke chapter 9, 51, he makes his way to Jerusalem. That is the part of the story that we're picking up in the Lent season. And then it became helpful for Christians over the centuries to then examine their own life and their own pain and to look at the things that are impure in their own life and then to rededicate those things to the Lord, not just initially, but every single year. And that's the basis for this season of Lent. Okay, so that's that. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. So tell me how, as, as people who are preparing to enter into this practically, how do we enter this season as a church together? What other is even just saying, I'm like, this seems kind of dark. This is like <laughs> a heavy time, and it should be. The, the season of Lent is a 40 day, so it begins on Ash Wednesday, 40 days before Easter. And the goal of Lent is to purify your life and my life before the Lord. That's the heart. That's the heartbeat of it. Yeah. And what we would just challenge our people, so now we're getting down to practicalities for here in 21st century fellowship. What, what I would challenge our people to do is uh, to, to look at the season of Lent as a way to rededicate yourself, your life to the Lord. He's the king. He's the light. And to say in light of who he is, mm-hmm. because of his goodness and grace, I want my life to be wholly devoted to him. I want my life to be to, to be the temple that he's made it to be, to live in purity in this world. And so to examine mm-hmm. your life. And if there's areas that are not in conformity with the goodness of God and by the prompting of the Holy Spirit to spend 40 days laying that before the Lord that he might cleanse you and that he might bring that thing to be dead in your life. And so uh, that could be a whole host of things. And when we talk about fasting, we want to broaden it more than just food. Do you want to help people? Like, what is the concept of fasting more than food? Yeah. So, you know, generally the idea of fasting, the aim, fasting is always associated with prayer. Correct. And seeking the Lord. And so generally the idea of fasting is that I would deny myself something that I rely on regularly for the sake of helping me train myself toward relying on God. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Gary Oliver has been a mentor and a dear friend of mine. And he has a phrase that when he said it was so impactful for me, he said, you don't try for godliness. You train for godliness. 
Yeah, that's cool. And he, he gave the example of when he was going to go, he wanted, he had this life goal of climbing this, summoning this one really intense mountain, intense climb. And it, he said, if I had just decided one day I'd like to go try to climb that mountain and I took a trip there, he said, I would have failed. I couldn't, it was too big of a task just to try one day. So he spent months training his body to prepare for that climb. And he said, in a similar way, it's not works righteousness to train for godliness. We're not saying you earn some standing before God. We're saying you do regular things to train yourself to trust God. Mm -hmm. So fasting is a way of denying our bodies something that we regularly look to so that when we feel that sense of lack, that sense of, oh, right now is the time I would normally fill in the blank. Instead, oh, this is a reminder that I need God, and so I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to depend on the Lord in this season. And so this is, by the way, this is not self-harm. And it's really important that we make that distinction here. Um, this is not deny yourself for the sake of punishing yourself. Like asceticism. Like asceticism yeah. or something like that. It's not, a, it's not a way of dealing with negative emotions. Well, I'm sad about this, so I'm going to hurt myself as a way of expressing that emotion. Um, and and th- that is a, a, something that many people struggle with, and we just want to really quickly draw a line. This mm-hmm. is not that. Yeah, that's really, we need that. Um, practical things. Yeah. So w- when we talk, we, food could be an option. For, mm-hmm. If you're listening to this and you're going through clarity, that could be you, you, you sacrifice a meal every day, a lunch, yep. or you sacrifice on a, a particular day of the week. Uh-huh. It could also be, and as you were talking about things we look to, well, the thing that came to my mind when you said that were our screens. Yes. So my, it could, I mean, what, what, what would you, what would you say to that? My, my family did that last year for Lent. We turned the TV off. So no TV, no TV, no video games, no movies. Um, and it sat like we literally had like this. Can can we do this? Can right. we survive this? <laughs> we have children. How can and, we do this? And we didn't do it for the whole forty days because honestly, we we forgot when Lent started. <laughs> so right. we started late. Um, but but that's what we did, and and it was really transformative mm-hmm. um, for us to deny something that we had such an impulse to go turn the TV on. Um, to say, no, we're not going to do that. And we found ourselves using that time to pray, to have more intentional conversations together. Um, so it could be it could be something like a, a form of media or entertainment. Social media. Social media. To do a social media fast would be great. Um, a- another thing people do is maybe a certain kind of food. So maybe it's, I'm going to give up sodas. Um, alcohol. Alcohol. I'm going to give up sweets. I'm going to give up. Um, and so what, what I would in, encourage people to think of is what is something not necessarily bad, but something that I enjoy that I could deny myself, not for the sake of taking away fun. That's not what this is about. And that's where Lent can kind of, can get a bad reputation is if you think the whole point is take away fun for 40 days, Mm -hmm. rather take away something that I can, I typically maybe lean on or depend on that will be a reminder to direct my dependence toward God. That's really crucial. And, and, just a couple of guardrails for us all as we do this. First, uh, this is not a glorified diet. All no. right? so, like, like I, I think so off that comes across, I heard one girl a couple of years ago, and I it just laughed. She said, uh, I'm giving up pasta for Lent. And then she got really specific. It was just, she was just giving up like lasagna, I think it was. It was like, well, not all pasta, just lasagna. And it's like, well, I mean, Okay, uh, we oftentimes, I think, treat it ends up becoming a glorified diet. So that's one guardrail. The second guardrail is much more, that's kind of silly. The second one's much more serious. Jesus is very clear 
what it looks like to fast in Matthew 6. Okay. And here's where I think some sometimes Christians, we kind of look silly in our culture. We do these Lent uh, declarations. We make these promises to God. And then we can't help but uh, make a big show of it. And so when people make a social media fast, oftentimes the very last thing they do is post a grand declaration of their loyalty to God with this social media fast. And they make it, they make a big deal out of it. And we would just like to encourage us to read maybe Matthew 6 again and see that that's not the point at all. Uh, our The point is for us as individuals and us as a church to be rededicated, refocused, to be purified towards Jesus in loving him and seeing him more clearly, being drawn to him instead of drawn to these other things and not to show off. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So the, the goal of all of this is training ourselves towards greater faith, training ourselves towards greater faith. And so any, th- any great milestone that you're reaching takes training and commitment. And so the, the Lent period is a time of saying for the purpose of training in prayer and dependence on God, I'm going to take this thing out of my life for a season and use that energy to redevote myself to prayer to the Lord for the sake of growing my faith. And so that's the aim. We pray that as you uh, explore what will that look like for you, that it will be uh, shaping for you, that it will help us all to depend more on Christ and to see him more clearly. Thanks for listening.